and tear down if you want to hang around and help with that also. So that's this coming Saturday at the Bartlett campus. Morning. Particularly for those of you that are watching, you can uh, Facebook or share watching a couple things. Online, you can go ahead and turn your Bibles or your devices to and even Romans. Though you may be in the building. Chapter three. Sometimes you're not in the building. Romans and chapter you're trying three. to watch. I know if you go to the lake or you go to Orange Beach, they should rename Orange Beach Memphis South. A couple think. things I, I do but want to share with you. If you go to Orange Beach or you're at get into God's word. The lake one, right now. Hi, how are y'all doing? we have. Uh, don't don't do daily bread devotional books you do get burnt are available in the lobby for the for those of you that are watching of online or again if you're in the building sometimes you are free you're here uh, nothing let me free explain something great. to you <laughs> semi apologize to you so if you want to know where we are again the daily bread devotional books that, you're watching um, this uh, our load speed in this building just is one step below way to spend a few minutes alone with the Lord every day. Uh, it's just and terrible. And, devotion, and, and we realize that. All over the lobby. And we're in the process. Star Trek fans are like Tribbles. Negotiate and, and get that so. fixed. If not, but you it is not cheap. Star Trek, the Tribbles. Uh, matter of fact, they're everywhere. Expensive. So they're in the lobby. You can pick so one up. we're in the process uh, of doing that. September 1st. We still got to do this to be August special. Even though it's my face you're looking at. Also out there. It's not Steve Nance's fault. This Saturday. It's not the operator's fault. This Saturday is our monthly help group. watching it. It just, or it's third Saturday month. Very quickly. This month is a strange month. Rhythm issues. And never have been able to dance. it just stops. This Saturday. But it is a problem with our Wi Fi. We'll be having the help group day at the Bartlett campus. So, Again, we start around 9 o'clock, but if you want to get there at 8 and help set up, trying to get rolling, light, and then we will both the parking lot, and then we give the we need all the bodies we can get, and it's it, uh, camera, especially this time of year, a lot of people are out, even make me look good. School starting back, and all. Okay, it won't go that far, but things going on, but we really need to enjoy the picture. So, a lot of people are hurting now, so I apologize for what you might be having to look at at times, and it's no one's fault. So, we really need it. parking lot moment in time. Based on the weather. If you just strictly want to listen to my pretty voice, you can always go to the website after they downloaded it or uploaded whatever the term is. As soon as the service is over, so about one o'clock today, you can actually go to the website and go to Arlington Media and go to Arlington and hear the message if you want to. But I also know the worship time with, with Peter and the worship band you'd like to see. So uh, at times it's good and at times it's not. But it's all about Wi-Fi and I don't even know why I'm talking about this stuff because I don't even know what it means. The other issue that we've been having to deal with that comes and goes are our spotlights. And I know you get tired of hearing this, you get tired of watching it, but somewhere in the middle of today's sermon, the lights are going to go out. Now, possibly that's the Lord saying it's time to shut up Randy, but it just happens. We, we, have, we have looked and looked. We, uh, we've literally had electricians look. It's not, the, it's not at the breaker box. We have a brand new light board. It's not in the light board. Uh, uh, I get only other option is it's possessed. So we've got uh, me and a couple of the guys are going to get Wednesday night. We're going to try to get in here and see if maybe we can come up with some kind of answer. But again, it's not that we're just dumb and we can't turn lights on and off. Even though I had that problem sometimes, it's not that. It's just literally no one touches it, and they'll just go off. You could come in here at three o'clock this afternoon and everything's turned off when we leave, and they'll be on. You have to literally go to the breaker box and turn, and you can turn off some breakers and other lights will come on. So if you ever just want to have fun, you're bored and, and you just want something to do, come down here and just hang around and the lights will just come on and off. And 
You can go turn off breakers and some other light. The, the LED lights will come on and they're not even hooked up. We're gifted. Very, very gifted. So, I do want you to understand that, that uh, we're not dumber and dirt. We just, we're close to that dumb, but uh, we're working on it. All right, turn to Romans chapter 3 and let, let's do something important. Now, one of the things I do want to share with you from, from my heart again as we get into the script, this scripture today is this. Um, don't let these things like lights and upload speed and Wi-Fi and other issues keep you from worshiping the Lord, whether you're in the house or you're worshiping with us online. Um, we love you, and we realize that Satan doesn't want us worshiping Jesus Christ, and he wants us to be at odds with each other, and he wants us to, to fight over insignificant things and to get sideways about something, and, and don't let that happen. Just focus on the person of Jesus Christ and what we're, you know, Peter and the worship team and leading us in worship, and as we open God's word together, and let's just see what the Lord has for us. Um, Focus on that and see what, what maybe the Lord would have for you to take away from today. So let's pray together, and we're going to look in Romans 3 again that the righteousness of our God. Father, we thank you that you are omnipotent and omniscient and all, that all the different attributes that we have looked at and are continuing to look at. And as we focus today again on your righteousness and your justice, that we would remember and never forget and the more time that I've spent studying your attributes personally, Lord, you've reminded me. Things that I look at in Scripture that I just don't understand, it comes back to me understanding that I'm supposed to trust you and continue to study your word and let it say what it says and, and don't try to make it say what I want it to, but let it speak to us. So I pray today for all of us, beginning with Randy and all who are watching and all of us who are together looking at this passage again in Romans 3. It's incredible verses on your righteousness, your justice, that we would focus on the person of Jesus Christ and who our dad is. And thank you again for the lights, Lord. And we just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I told you at some point in the day's message, what would happen? I would go out saying, I am a prophet. I think I should change my name to Prophet Randy. Some people, thank you. Maybe that was God saying, no, you won't. All right, turn to Romans 3, and let's try to do something before the lights go out again. You ever try to turn off the, jump into bed before the lights? If you're quick, you can turn off the switch and get in bed before the lights go out. That's an old joke. Not funny, but, but old. All right, if you'll take your hand out and look at it. Last week, we, we began, or the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the fact that our God is righteous and that he's just. It's incredibly important that we understand this attribute because we get, people get confused about it. Uh, uh, don't understand what it means. And we looked at last week in Romans 3 that God's revealed his righteousness to us. And, and uh, notice in number one on, on your handout that the righteousness of God is apart from the law, verse 21, witnessed by the law and the prophets through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe that there is no difference. And then that incredible verse of Romans 3, 23, for all have sin, and fallen short of the glory of God. We use the example of trying to jump to Cuba. That we, Some people may jump a lot further than others, but nobody's jumping to Cuba from the Keys. It's too far. It's 90 miles. Nobody can do it. So we all would fall short. So no matter who we are, no matter how good we are, no matter how many great, wonderful things we do, Romans 3.23, we're all sinners, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We 
need God to step in. That's the understanding, again, where we left off last week, number two in your handout. God demonstrates the answer to that by grace. Look at verse 24. This is where we are. Let me get in Romans 3. That would be very helpful. Romans 3, 24. We are justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. So last week, we talked about grace. We're not going to go back and redo that. But setting up, leading in what we're going to talk about today. We are justified or declared righteous in the eyes of God. Literally means declared just as if you had never sinned. Even though obviously we know we sin and we are sinners. But Christ's death, burial, resurrection, when we, we noticed last week for all who believe, who by faith come and trust Jesus Christ, we are declared righteous. God extends grace. He gives us something we don't deserve. So we're declared righteous. That's our standing before God. He gives us something we don't deserve. Now, the next point transitioning to what we're going to talk about today, verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. So as God demonstrates this to us, he shows us and extends grace. He manifests that to us. Again, we did it at the cross publicly, the crucifixion. The emphasis here in verse 24, this phrase I want you to notice, is redemption in Christ Jesus. The literal language in which this was written is there's a strong emphasis on this word. And it literally means, it's an emphatic word, meaning deliverance of something by paying a price. The idea would be if Steve was being held prisoner by someone and Tiffany was contacted and said, we demand a ransom of this amount. Tiffany would say, we don't have that. And even if we had it, I wouldn't pay. No, Tiffany would never do that. But if Steve were being held for ransom, that's the word. That, God, that we were held ransom captive by sin, and God paid the price to set us free. That's what redemption means. We, Romans uh, 6, 7, and 8 deals with, particularly Romans 6. We were owned by sin. We were in the slave market of sin. And God stepped in and bought us. What was the price that was paid? The blood of Jesus Christ. So he bought us out of the slave market of sin and set us free. Set us free... And as Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. The truth will make you free. He set us free, and then we're set free to become his slave by our choice. That's why you see Paul constantly in all his epistles, how does he refer to himself? As a bond slave, bond slave, or bond servant, bond slave of Jesus Christ. It means I choose to do that. I want to. Sin just owned me. It's who I was. When I was set free or born again, I now choose as a believer to be God's slave because I want to be in the master's house. I want to serve him. I realize how special it is, how blessed I am, what a privilege it is. See, grace is God's free, volitional choice to offer us a gift. God's choice. The Bible says in Philippians, Jesus humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Nobody made him do it. He chose to do it for God so loved the world. So God volitionally chose to 
fix our sin problem by dying in our place. He conquered sin and death, Hebrews tells us. So then he says to us, you're free. We have volitional choice. I'm free to say, thank you, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner like the thief on the cross. I'm free to trust Christ's free gift, accept it, the many has received, became right, John 1, gave the right, the privilege, the authority to become children of God. I have a volitional choice as well. God's volitional free will choice was to offer us grace and to offer a substitute, Jesus on the cross. My choice is, yes, Lord, I accept that. Thank you. By faith, I trust what Jesus did to redeem me. Look at the phrase again in verse 24. Redemption in Christ Jesus. So we're in the bondage and God pays the price to set us free. The blood of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul put it this way. In him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. There it is. There's the picture. God, rich in grace, offers to us freedom. And the price that was paid for our freedom, our forgiveness, was the blood of God himself. Peter Describes it this way. You were knowing you were not redeemed, redemption, with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Tying it all together. If you go back to when God set the children of Israel free from Exodus, the Exodus from bondage in Egypt, that night he instituted the Passover, the Passover lamb. The, when, when the meal that Jesus was eating the night he was in the upper room with the disciples before he was crucified the next day, the meal that he was eating with the Jew, those Jews was Passover. And he says, I am the Passover lamb. John the Baptist, the first time he saw Jesus, what did he say? Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the Passover lamb that God, God pictured in the Exodus from Egypt. So what Peter is now saying in his uh, epistle is that blood spilled by the Lamb of God at Calvary was pictured for us in the Levitical priesthood uh, in the sacrificial system all those years as Jews at Passover. That's what we celebrate. We call Easter. We're literally celebrating Passover. The blood was the price that was paid. Notice again the redemption in verse 24. Where is it found? In Christ Jesus. He paid the ransom because he could. He was our substitutionary atoning sacrifice as the Lamb of God. He alone had the capacity to pay it. The ability, there may be people who are incredibly rich in our world. They cannot buy their way out of their sin debt. They can't pay it. Jesus alone could pay it. And he did. Paul told Timothy, his son in the faith, there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Moses was, Hebrews tells us, Moses was a mediator of a covenant. We call it the law. 
The Bible calls it the Old Covenant. Moses was the mediator of that. In other words, Moses was the man through whom God brought the law down from Mount Sinai to the children of Israel, gave them the law. Moses was the mediator of the Old Covenant. Jesus is the mediator of the New Covenant. That's why in the upper room, when Jesus was instituting what we now call the Lord's Supper, communion, what did he say? This is the new covenant in my blood, not the old covenant in the blood of bulls and goats. The entire book of Hebrews is about that subject, that Jesus is superior and he fulfills all of those things until you come to him. Why? Because he is capable. He is able. He has the power, he has the capacity, and he alone can pay your debt. You know, interest rates now are down to nothing. But you still got to pay it back. Jesus alone can pay my sin debt, and he did. He chose to do that because he loved me, and I come to him. So now verse 25, how else did he demonstrate it? This is so beautiful. In satisfaction, look at verse 25. God sent Jesus forth to be propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate God's righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. The propitiation by his blood. God set Jesus as the propitiation. The word, the idea of set forth, get a middle picture, literally means publicly displayed. Talked about this a little bit last week. Publicly displayed, literal in the history, the historical context in which this was written, and actual history, the public display is what we call the crucifixion. We mentioned this last week, alluded to it, but I think it's important to reiterate it right here. Jesus, yes, died for our sins because he alone could do that, what we just talked about. But notice and never forget the method by which he chose to die crucifixion, and then go read about it. It'll rip your heart out when you understand what crucifixion did to the human body. And Jesus chose to die in that manner for us. Why? To publicly demonstrate two things. Please get this. This is so important. Here are the two things that God was publicly demonstrating at Calvary. Number one, I Love you. I love you so much, I'll die for you in this manner. But beyond that, I'm willing to take your judgment on me. The wrath of God. That's what it means by God is righteous. Somebody has to pay for Randy's sin. Why? Because I owe a debt, my sin debt. Somebody's got to pay it. God said, Randy, you'll never pay it, but I love you so much, I'll put it on the back of my son. That's why Jesus said, hanging on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So important. That's what propitiation means. Ray Stedman, a great preacher that I've admired for years, and he passed away about 20 years ago. Tremendous man of God, and I still read all his stuff and go read all his sermons when I'm preparing for a text. About verse 25, he calls it, quote, the heart of the gospel, 
the ground of assurance. Look at verse 25 again. God set forth Jesus as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over. We'll talk about that in a moment. The heart of the gospel, the ground of assurance. Propitiation means satisfaction. Somebody had to satisfy God's demand because God is righteous. Sin has to be paid for. It's the word atonement, the idea of atonement satisfies God's love, shows God's love, and it satisfies God's justice. Somebody has to pay. God paid our sin debt and poured out his love for us in the same moment. The word in Greek, so beautiful, is translated in the Old Testament, in the the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the word propitiation is translated mercy seat. Mercy seat was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant where the blood was sprinkled on the day of atonement. The Jews, that one day a year when only the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, and then Paul would later write to the church at Corinth, Christ is our mercy seat. See the picture? They had the scapegoat. All of the things pictured Jesus. The day of atonement. That's what propitiation is. So you go from the old covenant, picturing all of that, to the new covenant where it's all fulfilled in Christ. And that's why we don't have to have a physical temple with a holy of holies and, and a, a place where God, where the high priest would go in. Jesus is our high priest. Again, the book of Hebrews, the entire book is on this subject. He's our superior high priest. Crucifixion itself points it out. Wicked, cruel way to die. God's righteousness in judging sin and God's love for us. He demonstrated it. And then, then in verse 25, the phrase, in his forbearance, beautiful picture here of the patience of God, the grace of God. In his forbearance, God's patience, he poured out his full wrath on Jesus at the right moment in time. Galatians says, in the fullness of time, he was born of a woman. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and God told Satan, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send the seed of the woman who's going to crush your head. You'll bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. It's exactly what happened at the resurrection. At the crucifixion, Satan bruised the heel of Jesus. He killed him, and he thought he'd won. Uh Uh-oh, Sunday came. And he walked out of that tomb. And by doing that at that moment, he crushed Satan's head because he conquered death. It's the last enemy. It's the one thing none of us can escape. We're going to die. But in Jesus Christ, it's the best day of your life. It, is, it has no sting. It has no victory. You go to paradise. You go home. You're welcomed with a well-done, good, and faithful servant. You're welcomed by your father. You go to paradise. Man, I hope you understand this. God loved you so much, he crucified his son who never knew sin. He became our sin and took our wrath, my deserved wrath, Jesus took for me. That's what grace is. That's why understanding this attribute is so important. That God in his forbearance, verse 25, the whole time in the Old Testament when they were rebelling against God, said, I was going to send the Messiah, I'm going to send the Messiah, showing mercy. You know what mercy is? 
We've talked a lot about grace. Grace is God saying to you, here, you don't deserve this. I'm going to give it to you anyway. That's grace. You know what mercy is? Turn the coin over. God says, here's what you deserve. I'm not going to give you that. I'm going to give that to put it down with Jesus. I'm going to show you mercy. Here's grace. Here's mercy. I'm a God of grace and mercy. And that's the message of scripture and history. Is that God is the great I am. Who paid our debt. We through faith. Trust him. So that we could be born again. And set free. I want you just to listen. To Psalm 78. I'm just going to read it to you. Thinking about the history of the Jews. From the time God set them free from bondage in Egypt. And their attitude about God. Psalm 78. Thinking about mercy. In spite of this, they still sinned, children of Israel. They didn't believe in God's wondrous works. They, then they remembered that God was their rock and the Most High God their Redeemer. Nevertheless, they flattered him with their mouth and they lied to him with their tongue. For their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant, that old covenant. But God, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and he did not destroy them. Many a time he turned his anger away and he did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a breath that passes away and does not come again. People tell you, and you hear people say, critical of scripture, that you don't find grace in the Old Testament. It's all over the Old Testament. Think of the book of Judges. Time after time after time after time, they cry out to God, Oh, Lord, deliver us! Where does he send them? A deliverer. That's what a judge was. Gideon, Samson, Deborah, on and on. He sends them a judge to deliver them. They say, Oh, thank you, God! And then within a short period of time, where are they? Right back in the toilet again. God, send us a deliverer! And what does he do? Sends them another one. How many of you have children? They ever frustrate you? Come on up and share it. They ever frustrate you? Of course they do. Of course they do. But you don't ever just throw them away, do you? Even though you want to. Huh? You know, if you put them out in the curb, they'll be gone Tuesday. Depending on what it is, if you put it out in the curb in front of my house, if it looks like it'd be fixed, it'll be gone that day. But we don't do that with our kids. I can still remember I could share some best stories from middle school or high school, but I won't do that. That I was like, is that, who is that person? And then my son Andy, who's 33 years old and still my boy. Still a knucklehead, but he's still my boy. Don't you think God ever looks down at me or at you and says, what is he doing? How many times am I going to have to put up with this? Aren't you glad your dad, who's your daddy? Aren't you glad your dad is a God of grace and mercy? And he realizes you're not perfect. 
That's why Jesus had to come. That's why Jesus had to be tortured to death. That's why you have to come to him by faith and say, yes, Lord. In Acts 17, Paul said, Mars Hill, those, all those philosophers, and he's going to, he wants to share God with them, and he's talking to them about philosophy and where they're coming from. It's a beautiful way to picture of how to share your faith with, a non-believer, with non-believers, people who don't believe in, in the God of Scripture. The Bible says this, Paul said this at Mars Hill. The times of ignorance God overlooked, history of man. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. He doesn't even mention the man's name, but he goes on to share that man is Jesus Christ because he's the only one. That's why he said, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me because I'm the only ticket that will matter. You can jump from the keys all you want. You're not reaching Cuba. However, I got a plane that'll take you there. Just get on board. Come to me by faith, and I'll set you free. Verse 26, he demonstrates it with forgiveness. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just or righteous, and the justifier of the one who has what? Faith in Jesus. Context. God has publicly displayed his righteousness at Calvary. Verse 26, he says, why? To demonstrate his righteousness at this time. So he could be just and the justifier. Just means requiring full payment. All that we've talked about for the penalty of sin, which is death. The wages of sin is death. But also, that's God's wrath demand. But then he's the justifier. I love this. God says, Randy, somebody's going to pay for your sin. That's everything we've talked about today. I'm the one that's going to be the final arbiter of that, the judge. And I can declare you righteous and not condone your sin and not ignore it because Jesus paid for it. Because he paid for it, the substitutionary death. He died in your place. That's the gospel. Someone has said, and I don't know who it was, I found this quote, they didn't know, it didn't have a name, anonymously, someone has said this about this passage. God saw his glory being despised by sinners. He saw his worth belittled and his name dishonored by our sins. And rather than vindicating the worth of his glory by slaying his people, he vindicated his glory by slaying his son. That's grace. And that's the gospel. Think about people you know who desperately need hope, peace, confidence about the future, particularly now, the crazy time. God says, you come unto me, I'll give you rest. Come to me, I'll give you peace, I'll give you hope, I'll give you a meaningful existence, I'll give you heaven, I'll give you a future. You simply come to me by faith in what I did for you at Calvary. Come to me by faith in my son, Jesus Christ. 
God is so much more than fair. You ever hear people say God's not fair? So much more than fair. He's gracious. He's merciful. He already paid your debt. He simply wants you to accept the gift. This is holy wrath. God punished sin on the back of Jesus Christ. The one, verse 26 again, who has faith in Jesus Christ. It's an individual choice. We mentioned earlier, God volitionally chose to die for you. You have to choose whether you're going to accept that death as satisfaction for your sins. Warren Wiersbe says about this, faith is only as good as its object. All men trust something, if only themselves. But the Christian trusts Christ. The Christian trusts Christ. So let's wrap this up. Number three on your handout. God declares his righteousness. This is a conclusion of all of this, this passage. This justification by faith means it. No self-glorification, no self-righteousness. My salvation is based on one thing and one thing alone, what Jesus did at Calvary. There's no boasting. Look at verse 27. Where is boasting then? It's excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. It's excluded. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. There is no boasting before God. This is so important. It's excluded. God treats every human being the same. It does not matter who you are. Jesus died for you. It does not matter what you've done, good or bad. You still can't pay your debt. You have to come to God by faith in Jesus Christ. It's excluded. You can't boast about your salvation when you didn't have anything to do with it. Jesus did it. I can't, we've talked about this many times and it's so relevant because so many people, even in church, don't understand this. I promise you, we could go around the room. How many of you know you're a sinner? You don't raise your hand, talk to the person next to you or somebody in your home. Everybody, we all know we're sinners. And you know, and that doesn't mean egregious. Like when, you know, none of you are murderers. Don't think none of you are are are, are 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 robbing people on a regular basis. None, none of you are evil. Evil need to be in jail, people. And none of you may be doing overtly bad things. But do you ever have a bad thought? The Bible says anything you do that's not by faith in Jesus Christ is sin. Oh my God! What's the point? You're guilty. We're all guilty. There's no boasting. I cannot. Go around, I can't find somebody, we can all do it. And really, we can all do it within our own family. With not our family, we can all find somebody that we know that I can point to and say, at least I'm not that slob. Right? I'm not near as bad as that guy. I'm, not, I'm sure not as bad as my brother. Woo. Or we can all find somebody, can't we? You know what God says? Uh, compare yourself to Jesus. Son of a, I didn't make it. I didn't make it. That's what the thief on the cross suddenly realized. By the way, just a few minutes before he turned to Jesus and said, well, remember when you come into your kingdom, what had he been doing? Read the accounts in the Gospels. 
Just a few minutes before, what had he been doing? Mocking Jesus, just like the other thief. He suddenly realized, I deserve crucifixion. He doesn't. I deserve it. Why is he here? And suddenly it dawned on him. He's exactly who he said he was. He's the Messiah. Lord, will you remember me when you come in? And by the way, they're dying an agonizing death. Will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? I love that picture. What did Jesus say to him? Today. We're going to die today. You'll be with me in paradise. Now back to the passage. The boasting's excluded. A man's justified by faith, 28, verse 28, apart from the deeds of the law. This verse, verse 28, is the key to all the theology of the Apostle Paul. It's what set Martin Luther free. It started the Protestant Reformation, understanding that it's faith alone and Christ alone. You cannot earn it. Somebody else can't pray it, you into it. You can't get it except by coming to the cross and saying, Lord, please save me, a wretch. I need it. And now look at verse 29. I love these verses. Is, is God the God of the Jews only? Think any Jews have ever thought that? Yes, and still today, yes. Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there's one God who will justify the circumcised, the Jews, by faith and the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. There's no partiality with God. None whatsoever. It's the same. If you're a Jew, if you're a Gentile, and that covers the entire human race, there's no partiality with God. Jesus died for every one of you. We'll tell you a true story, and then we're going to be, we're going to finish today. And don't tell anybody we finished before noon. I have a rep. It's a true story of a 17-year-old boy who had, I thought about Ella this week, and put, putting this finishing touch on Ella, got her driver's license in her car. And Ella would never do this, but... This 17-year-old boy, he was out driving in his car. He had just gotten, he would, and he got arrested for reckless driving. No 17-year-old boy has ever done that, right? I, had, I didn't because my dad didn't let me drive until I got married. I had to get married my wife to get a car, but a different story. All right. The, boy, the 17-year-old was arrested for reckless driving. He lived in a rural community, and he was brought into the court, and he looked up, and the presiding judge over his trial was his father. And he said, all right, I'm surely going to get off now, just a warning. So the trial went on, an hour later, the judge gave the verdict. Your reckless driving has endangered the people of our community. Consequently, justice must be served. You'll either pay $2,000 or serve six months in jail. So the boy's thinking, well, Dad, Dad's going to cough up $2,000. And the boy replied, Dad, you know I don't have any money. Young man, the judge said, the young man said to the father, the father said to the young man, excuse me, you will address, address me as your honor. I'm your judge. And he hit the gavel and sentenced his 
son to six months in jail. So the bailiff comes up. He's going to cuff him and take him away. The judge stood up, took off his robe, walked down from the bench, stood beside his son, said, up there, I'm your judge. Down here, I'm your father. And he wrote a check for $2,000. It's exactly what God did for you. It's exactly what he did. God is just. You owe a debt you can't pay. He says, somebody's going to pay it, and I'll pay it for you. God is righteous, just. Bow your heads, please. Lord, we thank you for this, the depth of this principle, this attribute, that you are a God of justice. You're fair. You are God. But you're also our Father. So we thank you, Lord, at Calvary paid the price. Jesus came and died in our place that we could be set free. So I pray, Lord, for those of us who have trusted Christ and are born again, that we would live that way in a way that Jesus is pleased with and share him with other people and let them know that Jesus is not who you think he is. He loves you. He died for you because everybody's a sinner. And we're not better than anybody else. We're just forgiven in Christ. And Lord, if there are those who are watching or here who haven't trusted Christ and maybe just doing church or don't know, that they realize like that thief on the cross or like that boy, I, I deserve this punishment. I can't pay my debt. Jesus paid it for me. Thank you, Father. Just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen.